welcome to series four, episode six of the Prompted by Nature podcast. I hope you're well. So this week I have a really lovely conversation with Georgia Wyatt Lovell, who is the founder of Wyatt and Jack. Wyatt and Jack is such a great business and that's why I invited her on the podcast. Um, it is a business that turns UK source broken inflatables and deck chairs into the most beautiful bags. I approached Georgia a couple of months ago, I think, and I was absolutely convinced she'd say no. <laughs> but uh, lucky for me, she said yes. And when we had the conversation a couple of weeks ago, it was not long after she'd recovered from quite a nasty bout of COVID, which um, had her admitted to hospital. So I'm really grateful for her time. So just a little bit about Georgia. So she studied ceramics, that's her speciality, at the Chelsea School of Arts um, before continuing her studies at Swansea University. And as we'll hear, she started Wyatt and Jack um, when she, I really love the story, actually. Um, she essentially found out what happened to deck chair fabrics and then kind of just thought, what if? Which is the best way to start anything, I think. Um so she's been running Wyatt and Jack with her husband, Steve, since 2010. And there's only three of them on the team. There's Georgia, Steve and Marianne, and who does customer services. And if you look at her Instagram feed, you would, well, maybe you would think, oh, it's a small business. But I wouldn't necessarily think it's like essentially a micro business um, because everything they do is just so incredible. It looks like it could have been mass produced, but actually Georgia makes everything herself um, from scratch and um, yeah I'm really looking forward to you hearing about how the business runs and she talks about the kind of um, challenges that she's had with the sudden growth of her business how they kind of overcame that uh, we talked about different definitions of success in business we talk about how Wyatt and Jack came about the collaborations that she's done um, the importance of mental and physical health in running a product-based business the work that goes into entirely handmade projects. And actually we kind of aligned on this. So um, I talk in this a little bit about um, my experiences as a one woman show when I had my product based business. Some of you will know I used to run a business called Chant Marlers where I was teaching meditation and making marla beads. And I did that for seven years. So I kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and we talked a lot as well about knowing your limits, like as in creatively, but also kind of physically and knowing when enough is enough or when something needs to change. So Wyatt and Jack have a really impressive list of collaborators, people that they've collaborated with in the past and where they've been featured. So it all started off with Surfers Against Sewage. They've worked with Refuge, Copperfield, Lucy and Yak, the Royal Navy. And so the Royal Navy and Marines charity, they've made bags out of life rafts, old broken life raft, which I think is quite cool. Um, they've been featured on The One Show, BBC News, The Metro, just to name a few. Um, and they really are, I for, they are such an inspiring business. I found Georgia really inspiring and I loved the way she's kind of quite no nonsense. <laughs> I really love the way that she spoke. Um, and this interview is slightly different to the ones I've done previously because we, when we got on the call, we literally just started talking and you'll hear me say at one point, oh, when we start the conversation properly, as in, I usually get people to introduce themselves and that kind of didn't happen because we just, the conversation was flowing so nicely. Um, and I didn't, because Georgia was talking about all of the things that I was kind of going to ask about her, ask her about anyway, 
I didn't want to keep stopping things because, like I say, it was it was much more of a conversation, um, which I tried to do usually. It was just there was just something I, I kind of felt like I'd known her for a lot longer than I have, which was like five minutes. <laughs> so just a couple of things, because it was more like a conversation, we kind of come in like halfway through it. Um, we ended up speaking for quite a long time, longer than an hour, which is what I usually give, which was just because we were chatting, basically. Um, but when it starts, we're kind of halfway through the conversation and we've already spoken about, we were talking about how important it is to have like an open conversation in kind of climate movement stuff. Um, and George is talking about the need to choose where she puts her energy um, in order to not burn out and um, the nerves that she kind of feels around launching new collections. Um, so hopefully you won't be a bit lost when it starts. There are a couple of swears. So if you're a bit sensitive to that stuff, there are a couple in there. And yeah, she's, she, she, she was really generous with sharing so many stories and anecdotes of her kind of journey and, and about Wyatt and Jack. And it really outlined her dedication to her work and her creativity is incredible um, and I really appreciate how White and Jack as a company are kind of driven by the designs and the innovation that comes with that um, and are kind of solely focused on that and it's it was yeah it was so lovely um, to hear from someone that is really pushing things forward in terms of how businesses should be run um, and the kind of innovation around this more like circular these circular economies and actually on that um, I did want to recommend so we we do sort of talk about the circular nature of her business and another conversation that I had last year I think um, around that was with Erica Purvis she's an eco designer and engineer and that was a series two episode 4a um, have a listen to George's episode and then pop back and listen to Erica's because there is a lot of kind of tie-in in terms of, of what they're talking about. So if you want to listen more around that side of things, please go and listen to that after. So you can find Wyatt and Jack on their website, www.wyattandjack.com. They're also on Instagram, um, at Wyatt and, and is the word, uh, Jack, um, where they post all of their lovely new things and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and then, as usual, you can find me on my website, www.promptedbynature.co.uk. I'm on Instagram, at prompted.by.nature. You can buy me a coffee if you wish, which is buymeacoffee.com forward slash promptedbynature. And remember that I'll be back in the next episode with the writing prompt that accompanies this one. So until next time, I'll speak to you soon. Happy listening. Bye. I think as well, when you're trying to balance things and you realise how short of time you are in a certain area, you become really selective about where you then put your time and the people you choose to give it to. I started kind of being really strict about that because I noticed in certain situations with some people that I knew I was coming away actually feeling shit and it was quite hard to make that call of like actually for the last three four occasions I've come away from that feeling pretty bad mm. I don't think I'm gonna do it anymore and then the other part of your brain kicks in and you think well I've known this person for X amount of years and then you're like yeah but it doesn't feel right anymore you can't just hold because we've I'm not able to give time in this area that I'd really like to so something's gonna have to go
found that really hard but I think everyone as they get older the circle gets smaller doesn't it you definitely it. yeah and um, hopefully uh tighter yeah you know, better and more positive you know mm. I, I think I've only come to that quite late actually I think I know a lot of people have done that throughout their whole lives mm. I'd say that's quite a recent thing for me that that decision making I found that quite hard but it's definitely been beneficial mm. but I will always find it easier to speak to a complete stranger than I would somebody that I've known my whole life. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, I've come to realise that more, more, more as well. Is that you know spend such a lot of time worrying about putting something out there, and actually nobody really cares. <laughs> so you've worked yourself up into this big thing, and actually it's fine because no one's really even, you know. So it's probably. Yeah that's been really helpful as well and I think it's this the business side of things is weird because it's not you know what happened to us was this kind of explosion of media and press and celebrities and all this stuff in a really short space of time and we just had to respond to it and so all our plans and everything got pushed to the side or ways that we would have liked to work it mm. We just had to respond and it became this kind of monster with its own legs and recently we've been able to sort of take that back so it's a really interesting time to talk about it I think because mm. it's it it's a return to where we were before that happened and I'm not sure there were moments definitely in the in the winter when I was just like I don't know if we're gonna make it I just don't know if we're gonna make it you know it's just wow. like one thing after another after another and then something always happens and then you carry on again. Something always happens. I think that the major shift is that this time things have happened and I'm being pulled towards a similar way of working. And I'm just like, no, mm -hmm. So I'm actually turning down particular wholesale orders because it might be too much work or maybe they're a bit nasty in an email, a bit rude or pushy. And I'm just like, do you know what? No, I just don't want to do it, you mm. know? And on a couple of occasions, it's been a bit like, you know, what do you mean? And it's just like, it's not all about money, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I know. I used to run a jewellery business and I got to that point and I shut it down. Because really? it's like, yeah, I couldn't take on wholesale orders. And for me, I didn't want to grow. I didn't want to start recruiting people because I was like, I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be a boss. I don't want exactly. to have to exactly. any of that you stuff. You knew it and you said no. Well done. But it took me ages and I was massively overworked when I realised it was time to stop. I was like, I mean, I had an order for like 500 beads that had to, because I used to make, they're called mala beads. They're like um, meditation beads, basically. Yeah. And they've got a knot in between each one. And I got an order for like 500 plus and they wanted it in six weeks. And I did my, and I literally, I, it was, it was that that burnt me out. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And it was amazing, but it was, and I, I completely get what you mean about just this constant responding rather than feeling like you can plan and do things your way. It was like this knee jerk constantly. And it gets, yeah, it gets just too much. And I was like, I don't care how successful I am at the moment. I, this is nothing's worth me sacrificing my time with my family. And also I was always inside and I'm not an inside person. Yeah. I have to be outside and talking to people. I really like talking to people. Yeah. And as much as I love spending time by myself, I was just like, this is not how I want to live. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing. Well, I mean, it took me longer than it took you. I mean, you managed to put your foot down. 
we got people in we had like a team of 18 people wow. did occur to me that I wouldn't be very good at managing people or actually like it oh my word did they take advantage of that some mm. of them I mean I've seen the best of people and the worst of people and I've been surprised by both I just feel like I was really naive and we just had to go go in and go right okay this is what's happening we've got we've got to get x amount blah 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 and then and then I was on a computer a lot and I think yes. people associate success with being on a computer a lot weirdly yeah. is that it's like yeah. oh she's in an office on a computer she's she must be yeah. doing much better than she was when she was at a machine sewing weird yeah. that's that associates that assumption yeah actually I was a lot happier when I was on a machine so when I talk to people who've watched the kind of expanse of it and then shrink and expand like an accordion mm. and they say to me oh, what are you doing now and I said well I'm making like stuff that I want to make and then reduce the amount of products really loads to the things that we like making that we can make with a smaller team and uh and they're like oh oh you're back making them again oh and it's like yeah that's what I love <laughs> brilliant yeah. and I guess I can take my daughter to school and yeah. I do some activities in the evening and but it's weird because um I, I, I wonder how it, it enters people's brains that, like you said, okay, I could be really successful, but what I'm actually doing, I'm just chasing my tail, I'm just on like mm. a hamster wheel. And actually, I have got that choice. I can step off the hamster wheel. And it sounds like you did it way, way before it got to the point where you actually wow. did I was doing it for seven years, and it took me seven years to <laughs> So it did take me a little while. But um, so how did... White and Jack start. I've I've been really interested because when I came across you on social media, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is, because I, I was talking to someone about it last year about what you do, about the recycling of the bouncy castles and the bags and all of this sort of stuff. I was like, it's so simple, yeah. and yet it's absolutely genius. Like, so I that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you was how how did how did the idea come to you? And then how did you turn that into what what you see now and all your amazing collab collaborations and, and that sort of thing? I think I, I <laughs> it's funny. I I was because I say it and then and and this time I'm saying it in a different way because it makes me laugh now. Because I was sharing a workshop with a friend's father who I went to uni with. And I was living in Cornwall, I'm a potter really. My degree's in ceramics. Oh wow. So I got uh, I had a potter in St. Ives, and then I taught kids with behavioural difficulties, ceramics as well at the same time. Amazing. And then we moved here for various reasons and to be closer to family. And when when we moved here, I just made the decision, I was just like, right, we're gonna move here, we're gonna move here. And it was me and my son mm -hmm. who small at the time and uh we lived on her balcony in a tent but, but we still had the house like we were renting a house in Cornwall and we just stayed and we just got we were staying in a tent on her balcony in Sandown near the beach and mm -hmm. in a week I had a job teaching ceramics here and then within two weeks he had a place at school and we had a house and wow. it just fell and it's just like two hands going yeah you're here now mm -hmm. when, when I was living down there everything felt really 
uphill, uphill, uphill. And it was so nice. So just everything just sort of fell into place. And I was like, oh, we're supposed to be here. That's it. Mm-hmm. That was a while ago, 2009, something like that, maybe 10, I can't remember. And then I started sharing a ceramics workshop with her dad. Mm-hmm. And he had early onset Parkinson's, unfortunately. He's now passed away. Um, and he asked me to, he was a beach concessionaire, also made sculptures of seagulls and things like that. <laughs> really cool sort of cartoony sculptures. And he, when the Parkinson set in, he asked me to recover some of his chairs. I'm sorry, strip the fabric off some of his sunbeds and chairs from the beach. Because mm-hmm. he's one of the first beach concessionaires in this country, actually. Oh, wow. He's on the beach in 64. And he developed the concept of, you know, you see those trampolines in there in sand? Yes. He, it, that was his idea. Wow. So, it, and so he asked me to help him. And then so he could take the metal to scrap and recover the chairs. Because they all recover the chairs every year. Mm-hmm. And I was, I took the fabric off. It's a shame not in the workshop because I've got the bag. Um, I took the fabric off and it said for hire. He'd stenciled it on in a really crap way. <laughs> it looked amazing. And I was like, I love this. Can I have it? And he was like, well, it's just going to... So I made myself a bag. And then I made someone else a bag. And then I made someone else a bag. And then I moved on to deck chair canvas um, because I was also recovering. He was recovering those as well. So those two fabrics sort of melded together really well. And then uh, I was like, this has got to be going on everywhere. If he's throwing this fabric away, why is he? And then I found out that because it's PVC coated nylon, obviously it's put together at the source, it's chemically bound. Mm. You can't separate it, can't be recycled. They use it to line landfill sites. And I was like, this is, this is pretty bad. So I started ringing and driving around the country to find beach concessionaires, they're mostly really suspicious men in their 70s, to be honest. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and they, like, they would test me. So the one in Brighton, who, uh, is he still there? I don't know if he's still there. Anyway, I arranged to meet him, got on a three o'clock ferry from here, over to Brighton, really raining hard, arranged to meet him somewhere, didn't turn up, mm. came over again, Arranged to meet him, didn't turn up. Third time, I was like, I don't know, three minutes late or something. I had to get the other person who was with me to drive the van. I ran down Brighton Esplanade, you know, like where the old mm-hmm. pier and their new pier is. Well, you do obviously live there. <laughs> and um, and he and he was nearly just about to walk away, and then I got those deck chairs. I had to develop this relationship individually with each of them because nobody trusted. They were all really suspicious. They're like, why do you want our old fabric? Like, why? And I kept saying, well, I just like it. And look, it makes really good bag. It's really tough. Mm. Had back in those days, they had loads of different colours because they used to um, manufacture the fabric in Britain. But then what happened, obviously, is that that started becoming Chinese. Um, made fabric and they couldn't afford the shipping or the or the quantities that they were needing to have brought over in these large you know so they would club together the beaches would club together so Brighton would go together with Hove and they would order a batch or Sandown on the island would go together and they would order these bigger rolls Mm -hmm. the Queen's Parks I say the Queen's Parks because she likes the green and white it's it's on her insistence that those 
chairs are green and white. Okay. So, uh, when we go to the London parks and we go drive into Regent Circle, we're going to pick it up from there. I haven't been there for ages. And they've all got these stories. So you go to the London parks one and once a year, he'll have like a whole stack of deck chairs burnt. Someone will wow. just come and burn the fabric. I'm not sure if it happens so much anymore. So he's got vandalism to deal with. Then Brighton, it's another problem. And then, you know, and you hear all these stories. So I started filming the stories. These crazy men who like, you know, out in the elements all the time with these amazing stories, lost fingers, you know, Victorian, like one of the ones here, um, Victorian bathing houses that used to blow away in the wind with people in them, <laughs> roll down the beach. I've got films of all that stuff, but the, it's, the quality is so bad. It's really bad. Um, it needs a professional to come in and HD it and then extract the sound or whatever. I'm not really mm. sure. And so then when I lived in Cornwall, I used to do a lot of surfing then a lot of friends of mine of surfers and, and worked at Surfers Against Sewage. And the first biggish order came from Surfers Against Sewage because my mate was a campaign director. Those left now, Andy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he was like, yeah, we'll put an order in. So they did. And after that just went, wow. just became. And then I, about, I don't know, six months maybe after-ish, a year maybe, um, my son was on a bouncy castle at a, at a, you know, like an outdoor fate thing. Mm -hmm. I saw the little tag made in wherever it was. I think it was Liverpool somewhere. And I was already using the sunbed fabric, which is a similar kind of PVC. And again, when I saw it was made here, I was like, well, again, it's got to be happening here. So it started with offcuts generated during the bouncy castle process. Okay. Moved on to whole bouncy castles. Now we get both. Like we had um, three, we've got nine bouncy castles driving, nine whole bouncy castles. We've got a container, we've got an aeroplane hangar at, on the other side of the island that's a friend of mine's. That's got sacrilege in it. Wow. Sacrilege, the inflatable Stonehenge. And that's eight pallets worth of fabric. It's massive. He keeps old vintage cars and like, you know, knackered old cars in there. Mm -hmm. And it stacks up, you know, next to cars stacked. It's enormous. And there's one. That's one of them. Then we have, like, maybe a couple of years ago now, a factory that just closed down that made bouncy castles. And they just gave us a whole factory's worth of, of rolled PVC. <sighs> in the bin. I mean, like, just mental. No, and at the time, I remember saying, like, like with the inflatable amnesty, which has come a bit later, I made stuff out of inflatables when I was doing this because they go, you know, sort of sit with each other and we had some knocking about. Then I said to Andy, <coughs> Surface Against Sewage, I was like, what we should do, we should ask people to send us their inflatables because they're putting them in the bin. And he was like, no one's ever going to do that. No one's going to do that. Don't do that. And I was like, let's have a look. And then we're like, Oh my God, like, honestly, nobody could have predicted what happened next. It just was like, we were paying for postage initially because I didn't take off. Mm. So I was like, right, we'll, we'll pay for postage. That's an incentive for people because we won a competition in something. We won 10,000 pounds for the business, which I just sunk into 
postage stuff here. And then, uh, and then we're like, oh my God, oh my God, we can't do it. We, we literally like, this is bigger than any of us ever imagined. 30 grand's worth of posts later. Mm. We're like, right, oh okay. We're gonna have to get people to pay towards this. And then everybody was so horrible. Cause we're, we're like, do you realize it's just like, yeah. it's just, <laughs> it's not this, people think, I have this all the time. People think it's this company of 50 employees and like yeah. loads of customer service and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, literally me, Steve, mm -hmm. and Maz who works three hours doing customer service. That's it. Mm -hmm. so we just work hard. So mm -hmm. I think that's like when everything happened, like it did, we had a shop at the time. And then we just responded and we got people in and we tried to make, because there was quite high unemployment on the island at the time. So we we're like, this is great. We can employ people a living wage. You can get people in and trained and blah, 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 blah. Um, it didn't quite work out like that. But it's okay, because we learned from it. And I think we're in a, definitely in a happier, more positive place now. So that's how, that's how it started. It was literally an organic, like, let's just see if that goes with that. Yeah, that works. Where's where can we get that from? Okay, we can get that from, and then just suddenly it just, you know, snowballed. And but, it was sorry, gone. No, I was no, no. I was going to say it kind of shows how much it's like <clears throat> needed. Yeah, like you can see it and do think, my God, that's so that's such a clever idea. It's and mad the fact that you because I remember I remember seeing the posts on social media of all of the blue and white paddling, yeah, paddling pools, yeah. and I was just like oh my god that is you're never gonna like the bigger game is the bigger <clears throat> you're never gonna the the manufacturers push it onto consumer and they say um well you know we're gonna make them because people buy them mm. and so everybody is talking about how oh you shouldn't buy this and you shouldn't buy that and it's it shouldn't and it's just all bollocks it's just all absolute but because all that's doing is again pitting people against each other yeah and there's no, it's like a constant deference of responsibility. So one of my jobs is to actually get in contact with these people and say, well, yeah, because we had people ringing us up and going, uh, right, what we're going to do is we're going to commission some corporate inflatables and we're going to have 500 beach balls made and then we're going to throw them out into the crowd on a beach. Um, is it all right if we give them to you afterwards? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> no you've totally missed the point you don't have the maid and they're like yeah but you could get money because you could and i was like no you know seriously this this is what you're dealing with so mm -hmm. corporates artists now going oh yeah we shouldn't make those we have well, it's, make i guess it's i guess it's their idea of offsetting yeah yeah like carbon yeah like yeah tree plants, yeah like you still the damage is still done but you're saying oh well it's okay because i'm yeah, yeah because i'm Giving it to someone to turn into a bag or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we've we've developed really good relationships with people who, um, you know, have already had their stuff made, like Swizzles, for example, mm -hmm. all the misprints of stuff. You know, it's not my job to say, "Don't buy a Lilo, don't buy this, don't buy." It. It's my job to say, "Well, when you finish with it, you know, I'm I'm too busy trying to do what we're doing. Mm. I don't want to." start involving myself, but I will get involved on a higher level with the bigger companies. And I'm like, well, can you make this out of something else? 
or if you are going to make this and this is your livelihood etc it's your family business sometimes or whatever it is let's work out something whereby you put something in whatever you're sending out and then at least people know there's an option mm. you know, because we're right at the beginning of of something and 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 what kind of pisses me off a little bit is this whole like oh well you know um just this kind that vibe you know i can't even think of a sentence in it but just that general kind of niggly vibe where nothing you do is ever going to be enough um repairing stuff you know or employing an end of life policy like we do repairing stuff my grand repaired stuff your grand mm. stuff yeah. like it's got a new concept can we all just chill out you know do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fine. We don't, it's just in everything, I think, not just sustainability or nature or, or recycling or upcycling, which I hate, I hate that word. You know, like there, there's always got to be this much like undertone of people just having to go at each other. And it's, yeah. that's why I don't, I just step right back sometimes from things and people try to engage me in things and I do a lot of the social media now myself because we did employ a PR company <laughs> it was like really bad, bad. so we just gave and it cost a fortune yeah it's like the tone was lost you know the tone was I have been a bit stricter recently about it was our son the older one I was telling you about was like, mum, you reply to messages on the weekend. You don't need to do that. Cause it was really stressing me out and I was getting really, no, but, um, so I don't, I'm quite strict about that stuff now, but I do like the tone to be just inclusive of mm. people who might not be getting it. People can't afford to make these swaps all the time. You know, mm. people are living like, especially now and the cost of living is mental. And, you know, we have to, do little things I think there is a more sh there's been more gradual shift towards yeah doing little things is okay as well yeah you know whereas I feel like a couple of years ago it was very much like well unless you're doing everything mm. you might not do anything but actually people can't do everything mm. all human beings with you know things to do and flaws and we just have to do what we can and support each other in that I think instead of being all kind of bossy about it really do you know i do yeah i, I was going to say actually it, um that idea i think runs through everything you do i was looking at your website earlier and i was looking at your ethos like mm -hmm. you've got you know loads about like the living wage and and i guess i wanted to ask you about that as well whether the ethos because it sounds like everything you've done has just been really organic like it just it just went from one thing to another to another and it's all just like these things have just lined up in a way yeah. did you did you know that the the way that you run your business would be like that or hell no <laughs> in terms of like you have such a strong ethos that comes I think it comes through everything and when I looked at everything that you've written on the website I'm like yeah of course but there are companies that do similar things to you that don't necessarily have that backbone of like we want to make sure we treat our employees well we want to make sure we're like you said including everyone I mean I guess did that just make sense to you or was it like how did that kind of how did such a strong ethos come about 
I was going to like, instead of we've got a, ta a tag, like a little sort of branding tag and it's we are made by the sea. That was going to be, it's not ethical, it's obvious. <laughs> and, it because, and then I've seen someone using that recently. Well, I don't think I ever put it out because, because what we're doing and how we run our business isn't like, it shouldn't be, sorry. It, it shouldn't be an anomaly yeah <laughs> that's yeah. how it should be so true you know, people should be like and the, by the same token you know in it, it conversely it i also will not take any shit so i won't you know on the other side of that coin i won't if somebody's going to come to the table and be rude to somebody that works with us or rude about the product or without entertaining a conversation and they're just you know banging their fists on the table I won't do that either that's an instant refund mm. there's no need we've got a phone line we've got a an email address if someone's not getting back to you it's because one of us is in hospital us is doing something and I think we all just like everybody needs to remember but the problem is because business hasn't been run like that for forever it used to be, I think, back in the very, like, it's sort of 40s, 50s, you know, and everybody was more face-to-face, -face, you know. Mm. Um, people have been conditioned to go in fighting. So they're immediately, so they're quite wrong-footed sometimes when they come in and they've got, you know, oh, well, blah, blah, and you go, okay, cool. And they go, oh, well, I was, so this kind of sort of adds stuff on yeah. because they think they're going to get resistance from you. Yeah. And well, it doesn't make any sense to me to have you really angry, but at the same time, if you're going to be that angry, do I want you to carry a bag? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like represent what we're trying to say. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to be, I don't know, fascist or say something rude or whatever, you know, it's, I don't know. I, it's not been easy sticking to that and especially recently it's not been easy sticking to that um it, it comes at a, a pretty big cost sometimes you know um mental health wise mm. um and that's why i've had to be really strict and it's been so funny the insight and wisdom that has come from the children on that because they've grown up with with this constant contact you know this all these portals of communication all the time open, blah, 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 blah. So they know how to manage it a lot better than I do. Mm. That's why when my son stepped in and said, well, you, you know, you know, you want to be approachable. You know, you want to be, you know, um, yourself and blah, 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 blah. But nobody can keep doing this. You can't keep replying to messages at X, Y, Z all night, you know, because I want to see you. Mm. Or because dad wants to see you or because you want to do something as a family or whatever. I wish he wanted to do something as a family. I'm just adding that in. He's 18. He doesn't want to do as a <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And they, they, they're the ones, I always say that, because they're the ones with, you know, the kids. So that's where you find the answers, I think, because one, they, they're just attuned to it because they're in it already. And we've had to adapt to it, haven't we, later? Sort of mm. latterly. And two, because they um, are probably a lot ruder. <laughs> I think it's so hard. I'm amazed that we're here now and I'm talking to you now because honestly, the day that they, the 
ambulance came to take me into hospital mm. I had all kinds of meetings booked just like I can't I can't take this anymore I need to speak to people I just can't I need to know what my options are I just can't do it and then I went into hospital mm. by the time I came out then something else had opened up and it was like oh right okay so we keep going but then we keep going so I think any tools that are not uh, dishonest that you can use right now whether that be discounting products you know because people frown upon do we run discounts all the time who everybody likes a discount mm-hmm. there's no point in saying otherwise you know um what 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 you're going to do you're going to lose the because for me there have been times when definitely from a health perspective i should have walked away as you said mm-hmm. And when you go in, what we don't do enough of, which I need to get better of, obviously, content-wise, is um, actually showing people what the workshop looks like. Because visually, it's hideous. Mm. It's this, like, as soon as you walk through the door, it's like, bang, right, Mm. what happens to this? And that is really hard to walk away from. Mm. It's 12, 13 years of my life now. Mm. And I'm totally unemployable. Because I can't have a boss. I've been self-employed for ages. It's not going to work, is it? But also, I think what you do is just really important because not only for the for what you're offering and how you, <clears throat> I think what you do gives people hope. It gives me hope anyway because it's like, do you know what I mean? Like I look, but when I found when I found your brand, your company on social media, I was just like yes of course this is what we should be doing of course this is like you know because okay the stuff is still there the the pvc the plastic you know it's still that but you're you you are a circular like i had someone on this was kind of last year erica she's um she's basically a circular she she talks about circular economies a lot and and she does a lot of repair shop stuff and she's really cool she's in she's an engineer basically and for me that I see you as part of that and I see what you do as part of that because it's like that it's setting an example I think is what I'm trying to say you're setting an example for how things should can be done um because it's like well if we're going to produce these things that we can't get rid of we should be doing something with them and we should be doing that in a way that you know we used the word ethical before it's just creating a business that is a role model for other businesses and how we can be doing it and I see you as being one of those businesses that's doing that I think there's a few and I think people like you creatives like you makers like you business people like you should be being pushed forward and saying all is not lost, <laughs> you know, we're not everybody's greedy, not everybody's selfish, not everybody's wasteful, or not every business is or product or brand. This is how we could be doing things. Do you know what I mean? I think what you're doing is really important. So I can completely understand why you want to turn around and you, everybody needs a rest. Everyone needs a break. And it's so hard when you're a small business. I do understand that to take one. Um, yeah, I just, what I'm trying to say is I love what you do. <laughs> it's really cool that you say that. I think it's, um, it's, it's, I feel a little, I, I, that's, it does make me a little bit emotional because I don't think of it as anything other than 
than what it is, I suppose. I don't really give it any thought apart from just doing it. I suppose yeah, I'm not very good at remembering things either. So I'm not very good at remembering feelings about how hard things were yeah. six months ago. I'm, yeah. I'm very much present person. One, because I've got an awful short-term memory, pretty bad long-term memory. <laughs> and I'm not the world's best planner. So for me, like being in here is pretty much all I can do really. Mm -hmm not very good beyond that so I suppose it is important to sometimes acknowledge how much has been done in there you know because I'm not very good at that I suppose and it's nice to, that you say that it's really nice because it makes the harder times easier you know you think actually there was a per you know there's a purpose to it and um, I think I I wish I'd been a little bit I always wanted the price point to be sort of um achievable for people you know and I sometimes feel a bit now when you say about being pushed forward that I've been so busy doing it that I haven't done that mm. and and now there are other brands coming up or other people coming up and um I feel like we missed the boat a little bit on that you know because I feel like that because we because I'm not this kind of face of the business i'm not actually someone who will constantly be doing lives or yeah. it's not it doesn't really interest me um apart from the fact that i would like to meet more people who buy them because mm. i get to see them out and about because i'm always in the so that would be quite cool um but i think uh i've totally forgotten what i was going to say i was just saying about i we were, you were saying about being pushed forward and how yeah, I just didn't go for that. I didn't push it in that way. And I, and I feel like perhaps the business suffered because of that, because I, because I didn't go in and this kind of mega luxury level or this kind of like, Oh, we're in Vogue level or we're in this, you know, I just didn't, I was just too busy trying to get this fabric from where it needs to be to somewhere else and cope with the amount of stuff that was going on and the fact that it hadn't been done before. So logistically, there were a lot of challenges yeah. and I think I I didn't really push it retrospectively in the way that I should have or agreed to as many things talk talking things or interviews as I should have because I was too involved in what I was doing and I and I do think the business suffered at being like at the forefront of things mm -hmm. but I I don't know I think every day is a new day and just because yeah. you haven't done it doesn't mean you can't like no that's true. And, and I do think I mean how long has how long has the business been running for now just 12 12 years now right and I I think it takes such a long time to build things to the point where you have a really strong idea of who you are as a business owner as a business like and I think now you can, you have so much, like your business has so much behind it in terms of experience and like wisdom that you can still be that. You can still be the, like you say, the forerunner of it. You can still be. But how do you do that though? When it's already happened, it, well, it feels like it's kind of already happened. By having conversations like this, by, by literally just talking about it to people and about the back the background because all of this stuff is so you know it's really taking off now because it has to like we're at a point now 
where companies like yours, even, dare I say it, podcasts like these, need to be coming up, need to be pushed forward. And there are so many people, you know, like um, writers and makers and artists and organizers and like all of these people like who have been doing it for a really long time maybe behind the scenes are now coming to the fore because of where we are right now which is we need to start noticing what people like you are doing we need to start noticing the groundwork that people have been doing for years you know like this whole environmentalist movement is not not new you know Mm. it's it's been going on way before I was born you know it's just that a lot of those voices were really well kind of poo-pooed you know it's like oh don't be so silly um and I know like when I was a kid when I was really little in the 80s it was like oh look at these you know oh you know they're they're into green things and yeah Yeah. and it was sort of ridiculed a little bit oh yeah and now it's uh, you know you you just have to listen to how Boris Johnson talks about um or has talked about, I can't remember the, the language, yeah, used, but last year, sorry. Let's not listen to Boris Johnson. No, but what <laughs> I mean is like, that's the, that's that kind of old, I'm not saying it's all the older generation. I'm just saying like, that's the older way of thinking of things in terms of yeah you know, how it was thought about. And now I think you have something to say. So it's just, well, I just you feel say like it through your products though. Like, been said though yes that's mm. the way you do because and I, you do and I think that comes through like your designs and because I was going to ask you about your designs as well because they're so cool they're so cute thanks <laughs> they are, I love them the mermaid stuff the mermaid stuff is Lindsay that's great Lindsay who's like um she's called Stompy Cole and I was looking at something and I found this video of her and she skated to Bude in the nude in this yeah nude. I think I've heard of Stompy Cole I think I might I think I follow her yeah goes up and swims in, with this mermaid tail on <laughs> she asked if we'd make a bag for the mermaid tail to go in while she swam up the Thames oh cool that's where that came from and the mermaid is by far like the best-selling bag ever and the whole in fact we just had a great big breakthrough because they used to be hand cut so everyone in my family would cut mermaids. Wow. Some strips still are, depending on which bag it is. And we just had um, a dye made so we can have them, we can press them. So mm. Steve hasn't got like massive calluses. <laughs> I bet. Repetitive strain injury. Yeah. There's like 20, one of those 28 rows of hand cut scallops they're all which is at night time over christmas all the time everyone cutting scallops everyone all the time cutting mermaids out hideous but now it's like we've got we've actually partnered with another company here who make inflatables uh for what uh holding water for something i forget what it is anyway they have loads of offcuts but they have the machinery to heat seal and do those kind of things so we take their offcuts and they let us use their machine oh wicked yeah and that's a really cool way to do things as well it's like okay we'll take that and you can use our fabric mm. and oh, no, no money changing yeah. at all it just works but yeah. the, and that is so cool just pop in everything's really chilled 
doesn't have to be this thing, you know. It doesn't always have to be. I mean, everyone's got to make money. Sure, sure. I similarly to you, when I was like, you know, seven or eight, was writing to the Japanese prime minister about whaling and the kangaroo culling in Australia. Mm. That's like I was writing these letters, you know. Didn't have any mates. (laughs) (laughs) Just me sitting at home writing letters. (laughs) He wrote back, Japanese prime minister. Oh wow. Um didn't stop wailing though. No, of course. Um, and I felt that angst, you know, from a really but I still can't honestly say that I drove around the country and picked up Deccho canvas because <laughs> I was driven by environmental angst. I wasn't. Uh, I just let's just see what's yeah. happening. This fabric is wicked. Like some of the older stripes, it's just I've got little swatches of them all. It's like I've got fabric. One of my favourite pickups. I'm just going totally off the top. I got a phone call at like six o'clock in the morning from someone who was extending their beach shack thing to make it a restaurant, and they had uncovered an old public toilet that hadn't been opened since the 1940s, and inside there were 60 deck chairs. Wow. The 40s. <laughs> I've never seen anyone get up so quickly. I was just like, oh, I'm coming. Down. <laughs> And I'd never seen that. I hadn't seen any any ultraviolet light since the forties. Wow! Just this absolutely perfect deck chair canvas from that era. Amazing. I've still got some of it, you know. But that's the real rare stuff. And sometimes I get like when people, everybody who has come to work for us or does sometimes come pop up in a work for us or whatever, they all hate the deck chair canvas. Everyone hates yeah. it because it's such a nightmare to work with. It's just hideous. It's got a really big weave. The fabric's got a really big weave. So machines move around it a lot. It's much easier to sew than the other fabrics in, in a lot of ways, but it hasn't got a, um, it's got a memory, whereas the bouncy castle hasn't got a memory. And so <laughs> when you're sewing it, it's just like, you know, literally mm-hmm. everywhere and everybody who's ever walked through that door. But for me, it's like, that is really representative of everything. Mm-hmm. So I always, whenever we're like, what we're going to wash, what fabric are we washing today? What's on the list of stuff to wash? And I'm always like, deck check canvas. Everyone's like, shut up. No. Sit down. Have you always, have, did you learn sewing on the job or have you always? I did my, um, an A-level in fashion and textiles, but no, I had to learn how to make bags. Mm. And I, like I was saying, I've got a really short tension span as well um, in terms of patience. Mm-hmm. So and I had one domestic machine, but obviously it doesn't lend itself very well to fabric at all. And then when I got my first industrial machine, I was frightened of it and I didn't use it for six months. I just kept looking at it and everyone would come into the workshop and go, are you going to use that? Cost you like a grand, are you going to use it? <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh yeah, it's just not very yeah. good for this job. <laughs> like I just couldn't, I just didn't, I was, and now I'm just, we've got six now. Oh, wow. How many of you make, how have you make, how many of you make bags? Uh, I make them. All of them? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And Katie came in, who is self-employed. She came in and helped with an order that just went out. And then, I mean, like I've been doing it a long time now, so I can, I can get bags out quite quickly, but I'm, so when something is, is repaired, I repair it. Mm -hmm. When something is made i make it steve cuts it mm. our son forces the fabric washes it all 
you know it's like and I that's actually a really good point because I wish more people knew that yeah because I think they do think there's this huge great load of people in there and it's just it's just that there's people in there who want to be in there so we work hard Mm. it's different when it's yours isn't it it's like definitely yeah because the time doesn't pass you just and you don't realize yeah yeah I think that's almost like not the not necessarily the problem with social media maybe not put it like that like the hindrance of social media is it doesn't portray necessarily the that it's just a solo you know it's when you look at your feed when you look at your website unless you read it unless you deliberately went out to find you know looked to find who's making this stuff I don't think you would know it was just one person and I think that's not a bad thing I think that's like a testament to how um how strong uh brand it is I guess I don't know I think I think it's lovely knowing that one person makes everything um I I guess the thing is like you say like maybe people wouldn't be so rude like you said that you've had you know people be quite rude maybe they wouldn't be so rude if if they knew it was just one person or do they care I don't know but do you think it makes it look unprofessional though if you no just being no no because like you know I was talking I said earlier about like my jewelry design I was always just one person and I was stocking like some of the biggest studios in the country and I think people thought I was more than one person they thought I was like 10 people but when they found out I was just one person it didn't it never like I don't think it ever lost me business Mm. it was just that you you they then understood why things took a bit longer (laughs) that's something good to take away from it yeah definitely I think that's 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 yeah that's a really good point I'm going to do that more maybe Mm. well because I I think also the thing for me like I was just thinking the a part of the reason I stopped was the materials aspect of it I was like I'm consuming a lot and as much as I try to reuse things and use especially kind of towards the last few years you know I tried to use recycled plastic threads that I could use for my tassels and I would you know I tried to do as much as I could in the end I was like I'm still ordering this stuff in and I'm still having to fulfill these orders Mm. and that started to not feel good I was like this doesn't really align with what I'm trying to how I'm trying to live my life I guess whereas when I look at what you do is like it's endless because there is always going to be this unless they stop making it which if people are making money from it they're not going to stop are they you're always going to be doing something an existential crisis is like you can't you know you can't make a healthy decision yeah I wasn't able to make a healthy decision I am now but Mm. I'm pretty ill you know And, and I don't want the kids to see me like that and for my family to see me like that you know, I need to draw my line a little bit sooner than I did, but I would do anything mm. to save it. And there were points over the last six months where I had to actually physically save it. But it's not like, like you just say, you can't just, when you visually, you can't just go, right, okay, well, we're going to close it. What happens to the fabric? All right, well, that go-. and then you carry on. And then the universe, I knew I'd talk about the universe at some point, but... <laughs> will always say well that, that's where you're supposed to be and you have to listen to that I I believe that's yeah. just my 
this yeah. doesn't have to be open to what it's going on and then you have to act accordingly and that everything that goes wrong in a sense is actually just supposed to teach you how to do it properly and not do it that way again and i believe it's a really cool time for us at the moment because that's what's just happened yeah. and the fact that we we are talking like i said to you means that you know like at the top of a hill then there's a bottom and mm -hmm. then i'm up the hill again and then and that so i feel like yeah we've learned so much from everything we've talked about that now is our time to be like right it's a family-run business and in a really nice part of the world that we all love working for and we're going to give it our best shot and we can supply things on a basis that is pretty decent sized you know for mm. us so cool who gets to say that we're yeah. lucky aren't we i mean yeah. you're lucky anyone who gets to do anything that they like doing for any mm. part of the week is lucky aren't they really yeah well, not lucky, but you know what i mean lucky's yes. the wrong word but you know yeah it's definitely a privilege <laughs> that's it. it feels like that yeah yeah mm -hmm. um and you, you know, if if you decided to take someone on to do other bags, like, because I can imagine that can feel quite heavy if you're thinking, well, who else is going to do, you know, that can feel quite. People do come in, but I was, I, we went through something in September last year and it, we had two people leave without warning and it hit me hard, mm. really hard, emotion, emotionally not business-wise, I mean, business-wise, geez, <laughs> like 460 orders. And then wow. four, two people left and then the other two people couldn't stay because I couldn't train them because we had the orders and the two people yeah. trained left. Mm. So we lost four. Wow. Yeah. And it is. Yes. And I, and I, I, I went really, I'm still not on, in that respect, I'm still not quite there ready to really get people in. Yeah. Needed to don't need to, I'd rather work as we said, Mm. I'm not I don't really want to be that person I don't it doesn't suit me I'm not very good at it I can understand that and um in and it was upsetting and that's the other thing I learned is that I can't separate the person from the job so I will be emotionally upset by things and um that's not very professional either so I'd rather not do it and I we had like a week Steve and I have me going <gasps> just crying and then I just got up half four five went into the unit sewed 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 till six seven o'clock at night came home saw the kids for a bit worked on the computer 11 12 one o'clock in the morning next morning same thing I did that from September until till I ended up in hospital basically and all that time I think people thought all over Christmas and all beyond that I think people thought there was a whole team of people yeah there. yeah and that's why my family going you can't keep doing it you can't keep doing it. I was like, i'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine and it, and it wasn't body so, will always say something yeah yeah shouldn't really make it say something should we yeah. be listening i'm so i'm very good at making my body say something i've tried to stop i don't do it so much anymore but you know is it saying something or is it going help me yeah. screaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i've just realized it's quarter past eight <laughs> we've been chatting for like over an hour so we could finish off because i quite like asking people the same questions to finish off with 
Um, so the first one is, what's your hope for the future? In terms of the business or in terms anything. Of, oh, I've got loads. Um, but I, I would say happiness is 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 the one. Happiness and 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 less stress and just you know being able to continue to have a good balance of family and work doing something we love mm. you know globally i think we all hope for the same thing don't we and we're not getting much of any of that so i think you know to concentrate on our own generating our own hope within yeah know, possibility that's so true um and then the last one is what have you learned on your journey your path that you would like to pass on to people Growth isn't always what you think it's going to be, I would say. So before you think about maybe yeah, that equates to success, maybe have a feel about how happy you are already with, with that. That's the thing that I've learned. I know mm. that I wish I'd known. I know now, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a new day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's good to remember. That's a good one. I might write that on my wall, actually. Mm, and it's so true. Yeah, mm. so true. In my experience, I can, yeah, I can really see that. Well, it's been really nice because I've taken loads of things away from it as well. So I know that we're going to do more talking about how many of us there are and things like that. And certain things that you brought to my attention that I wasn't aware of because of being in it. So mm. that's really cool as well. Well, I think I think it's really hard when you are so immersed in something to take a step outside and see things from a, con a consumer's perspective, I guess, like, you know, someone who sees your business from the outside. Yeah, definitely. And it's really helpful. Good. You can do kind of surveys and things like that. <laughs> Maybe, that but... requires more admin. <laughs> It does and we're trying to keep that down yeah so before we go actually how can people reach you social media website oh, yeah yeah any yeah. of those yeah any and of it's those. just at jack at wire and jack and it's and the word not the ampersand yeah and then the website is .co.uk or .com dot com wire and jack .com. oh you want me to actually say it yes why no, you don't have to it's fine <laughs> That's what I really liked about this conversation. Is that uh, it's just been, I feel like I've known you for a while. I know, it's instant, instantly easy, wasn't it? I've yeah. really enjoyed it. It's been lovely talking to you. I've had a really nice time.